Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show. Pirates of the Caribbean podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films, and yes, I have to say, the expanded universe, we dabble in history, stress the euphemisms, and strive to have a hell of a good swashbuckler time each and once a month, every week, daily, yeah, it's been all over the whenever map. Whenever we feel yeah, like whenever, it. <laughs> whenever we can actually get around to it. Maybe that's how I should change up my opener. I'll start to try and integrate that now. But I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlshow.com. That sounded like you knew what you were talking about. (laughs) You are all over that. Thanks for joining us for the latest episode, episode 105, still season two, struggling to get through season two. A lost episode, perhaps? Sensitive topic, I know, given our lackluster schedule keeping. We're going to be tackling minutes 110, 111, the Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men's Chest. I almost said dead. Screwed that up. (laughs) It's so close to Dead Men Tell No Tales, Dead Man's Chest. Sometimes I just go with uh, Dead Men Tell No Tales. That's weird. And I have to try and backtrack mentally. But my mind's already ahead of my mouth, so it's already told me what to say. So it's hard to recover from that. But indeed, we're back just in time to round out 2018. So happy holidays and then maybe a pre-happy new year. year. I said a pre-happy new year. Oh, okay. We'll get it out before the new year. No, it'll happen. You're hearing it before the new year. cross our fingers. Yeah, that they will. It's like crossbones. The word got out at work a while back that uh, we have this show at my work. Yeah, it came up somehow. Just happened. Now it's it's out in the open. That's weird. Now everyone was asking when the latest episode is going to drop too. They're so not only to it? not only was I getting badgered at just On everywhere else, Facebook? email, social media, all this other stuff. Now it's happening at work. It even popped up when there was a bunch of volunteers around. So it's spreading like Captain Jack Sparrow's STDs. I swear it's just everywhere. It's like red and inflamed. Well, that's like his, not good. Like his face sore. There we go. I may have even uh, had a request for a name drop from somebody. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it'd be really nice if I could hear my name. It's kind of like that. You know, like a shout out. So without naming any names, Bolt, I'm talking to you. Yeah. He might even catch this driving back from Southern California for the holidays. But that's a cool nickname, right? Bolt? Yeah. Yeah. It just reminds me of the movie. Oh, the dog? Yeah. Oh, great. So you brought that up. Poor guy. (laughs) Sorry, Bolt. It was funny because our we have like this accountant that works remotely. And at one point she was asking who this John guy was when she had to like cut a reimbursement check for him. And I said, oh, that's Bolt. Because he goes by Bolt, not John. Because John. Bolt is shorter than John. That's right. Okay. It rolls off the tongue easier. Oh, okay. It's like lightning quick. But I mean, this kind of thing, this, I mean, it rings a bell for her though. Okay. So it's like, oh. That's Bolt, you know, when I kind of meshed the two and brought it together. Because she's heard of Bolt. Bolt, But not John. But not John. Because, you know, she kind of works there, works remotely. But anyway, she's at least she knows of him, okay? Well, she comes to the office and Bolt happened to be there. It was like their first meeting. And when I tell her that that's Bolt, she gets all excited and says, Oh, that's the Bolt. So she puts a the in front of it. Okay. So not only did she finally meet Bolt, she managed to enhance his nickname to The Bolt. Not just any Bolt. He's the the one and only. The only Bolt you need to know. Right there. So not too long after that, though, she's back at the office and had something for Bolt to give him. But she couldn't remember his nickname at that point. So she called him The Bling. The (laughs) Bling. So no, Was no. he wearing something shiny? <laughs> yeah, like Tamatoa. 
Yeah, drab little crab ones. <laughs> there you go, for all you Disney fans out there. So not only did she have a hand in like elevating his moniker to the bold, she then christened him as Bling. <laughs> like two very different nicknames of her, you know? Of course, I got great joy out of calling him Bling for a few days. I mean, it's fitting, though. Even though he does do restoration work and is out in the field, you know, in the watershed, channels, salmon, all that kind of stuff, he always manages to come to work bedazzled. Think of your favorite pimp, like dripping in gold, the fur coat, the top hat, can't forget the cane, bling bolt, the bolt. Here's your shout out, probably way more than you wanted. (laughs) Now. He'll never ask again. (laughs) On podcasters everywhere. You'll be uh, you'll be known about people will be going ah oh, how's the bling how's the bolt how's bolt there. <laughs> I'm tired of the excuses though so I I don't even know I'm sure the audience is well tired of them I mean if anyone is still even left out there in the audience world we've been getting like the hate mail the hate messages calls for us to be keel hauled and I'm talking to you Arturo Gonzalez oh yeah true pirate for sure sending us to the deep prematurely no. But we're back just in time to keep our copyright active, at least. <laughs> no, I mean, all in good fun. Okay, Arturo was just basically wondering where the hell we've been. But we're right here, yeah. I mean, saving sea turtles, doing that kind of stuff. I also mentioned I've been appointed to the National Marine Sanctuary Advisory Council by NOAA. Then I get promoted at work to managing director and supervising all the staff. So basically, all employees now know they got a pirate on their hands there. So, yeah. Anyways. We're working to find a groove and changing up our recording days and hoping to bring back consistency now that things are settling in for me. But why the hell are we here today? It's not to hear about what's been going on behind the scenes. It's about Pirates of the Caribbean. That's right. Pirate action. Well, off the air, there's actually been a bit of Pirate of the Caribbean news going on. More hints of the Sans Johnny Depp reboot thing. Because it seems to be changing daily now. Not quite, but it... In, a in few Johnny's days, it does. mind, it's changing daily. No, just in in like headline stuff. Because first, oh. you get those that are proclaiming the same old, same old. The new movie won't feature Captain Jack Sparrow or Johnny Depp. Then there's like a wave of headlines indicating Depp is cool with moving on from Pirates of the Caribbean, but still loves the character. Or then it's like he thinks it's a good thing he's no longer part of the franchise. Mind you, I mean he continues to uh, do his Jack Sparrow Children's Hospital visits, which is always a good thing. Oh yeah. Right there, that makes him a hero. Okay, just doing that. Then a day later, I see a headline stating Johnny Depp believes he will play Captain Jack Sparrow again. It's like, what the hell is going on here? More appropriately for a pirate show, what in the bloody hell is going on here? Because all of this is like mixed messaging. Not only that, there seems to be a possible movement away from the Dead Men Tell No Tales new cast. Henry and Karina? Do those ring a bell? Ah, just slightly. I mean, they were clearly set up as the next generation to helm the series, the franchise. I think they were. Yeah, I don't know about that. Now, Disney executive Sean Bailey comes out saying a reboot is an opportunity for the next film to be revamped. Specifically, we want to bring in a new energy and vitality. Depp played the drunken witty pirate in five films across 15 years. The studio has brought in Deadpool writers Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick to execute the reimagined vision. So he goes on to say, I love the movies. But part of the reason Paul and Red are so interesting is that we want to give it a kick in the pants. And that's what I've tasked them with. So keywords here, okay? Reimagined, new energy. Sound like this may be more of a reboot indeed than just like a continuation without the original cast and characters. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Kind of the ramifications too that roll out across the theme parks and to fans. We already know just from our kind of anecdotal polls that people... Don't want Jack Sparrow to go away. Nope. Especially the ladies. They do. They like Jack Sparrow. They like Captain Action. <laughs> they do. But we can't discount Disney's ability to create new wave of fans. So I do actually look forward to discussing and analyzing this as we move forward with movie number six. Or not us. I should say us. When they move forward. <laughs> We're <all>. not really <laughs> officially part of Disney, even though I uh, play one on the radio. But what did catch my attention is that Hollywood Reporter said Pirates of the Caribbean is currently the 12th biggest franchise of all time. And at the time, okay, this is at the time of this broadcast. And speaking to those of you in the future, that could change. So don't hold it to us. (laughs) Actually, 
not exactly sure how they came up with that. And this is like a variable measurement because there's all kinds of different scenarios how they could do that. Just North American box office. Is it worldwide? Adjusted for inflation? All those kinds of things. Because when I looked at it, like world box office numbers not adjusted for inflation, it was number 11. And this is according to the numbers.com. I couldn't get number 12. No matter what I was doing, you couldn't get 12 I couldn't get it. it to go to 12. Well, that's weird. I mean, and, and the thing was is that movies included not like actual movies in the theater. There was some, or somehow that the way that they were arranging franchises and maybe some weren't franchised. It was just weird. It's hard to, I don't know. And I didn't want to spend any more time on it than I had already done. The five hours you spent? Yeah, the five hours trying to get it to go to number 12. I said, I'm going to get it to number 12. I know it. <laughs> you know, it was uh, movies post-2002. So I had like a window that I had to work with just to get pirates in there. I was really trying my hardest to do that. But I have a test for you. How many of those top 11 franchises can you actually name? I know that you probably should be asking me this question. Because this is like asking our dog Cricket. About movies in the top 11. Are or to talking, name a movie at all. Are we talking now movies? See, already it's having to have a, an asterisk by it. Okay, just give it a shot. And I'll keep like a credibility card for you if you utterly fail. But it's like new movies. It's just franchises, okay? Like top 11 that you would think. That could stretch back all the way, dare I say, Yoda. Oh, Star Wars? Oh, congratulations. I... <laughs> Knew you could get that one without any help. Avengers? I'll give that to you. It's like the Mar Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. X-Men is one. Star Wars you got. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is on there. I mean, I wouldn't want to dobby you into doing anything you wouldn't want to do. Oh, Harry Potter. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is on there. Something about cars. Really angry car drivers going really fast. They're furious car drivers. Oh, I've never seen any of those. I know. Okay, sorry. That Fast means that and you. The furious? Yeah, that's one. Our favorite uh, British secret agent. Secret agent, man. <laughs> You're lucky you caught that. <laughs> she has a history of botching that line, which we're not going to get into because it. Yeah, let's just leave it there. Oh, <laughs> uh, James Bond. James Bond. Yeah, but I think besides Pirates of the Caribbean, we're going to give that to you. You actually have three more. No, two more. One's our uh, famous web slinger. Oh, I was going to say Spider-Man. But then I thought it found, fell into the Marvel Universe thing you were talking about. No, that's recently. But Spider-Man was... Yeah, we're not going to get into that. But. Okay. And then one has to do with uh, nocturnal flying mammals. Scooby, Scooby-Doo, the opener. Lots of these fly out of the castle. Bats? Okay, yeah, bats. But if you put it together into an actual franchise... With a little man, Batman. Does that oh, ring Bat a bell? How <laughs> oh, dare you? With a little man. <laughs> Batman's the... really on there? Yeah, Batman. Really? Yeah, but and that's what I was saying. I don't know how well this list is. That's weird. Because no, it's been there's... a long time since a Batman. Yeah, but you got to think it was Tim Burton's yeah. Batman and it went all the way to the new ones with The Dark Knight. And... Yeah, that's true. So there's there's been quite a few of them. Actually, there's been nine Batman movies. So there you go. Well, it's because I keep remaking. Okay, well, there you go. Because interesting fact from the list, the standout is that Pirates of the Caribbean franchise has one of the lowest number of movies on the list, along with Jurassic Park. They have five movies each that have gotten them to that list. And the highest being James Bond with 25 films. It took James Bond 25 films to muster up to what? No, it's no. It's, it, I'm not saying that they're all like at the same level. I didn't like, they're not like all $5 billion franchises. Oh, I'm just saying that to get into that top list, you can see that it James took Bond, James Bond 25 films to get really high on the list. I think they were like number four or something like that. Oh, yeah. Marvel Cinematic Universe, Star Wars, Harry Potter, James Bond. There you go. And it goes down from there. Pirates of the Caribbean, though, averages $900 million per movie, whereas James Bond, and this is for you then, is in the $283 million per movie average. Oh, really? Yeah. Big difference. Even the behemoth Marvel Cinematic Universe averages $875 million per movie. Huh. But this all means very little, like I said, without diving into the numbers. Adjusted for inflation, all that jazz, you know? Think of... Well, anyways, okay, I'm not going to get in there. Let's not... I'm not going to just dive into movie chat news and numbers. We're not going to do that. 
Because it's been way too long, so we better, like, cast off. And when I say cast off, I mean, what the blimey hell is? Pirate Word of the Week. Ahoy there, scallywags. Pirate Word of the Week in five, four, three, two. Yarr! Squiffy! Squiffy. What does squiffy mean to you? It's too, it's like, uh, squishy. You're squiffy. <laughs> you're squiffy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, you're an you're you can't make decisions. You're an idiot. Mm-hmm, kinda. You're drunk. There you go. I <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it is actually what I did there. I think that pretty much sums it all up right there. Yeah. The origin is unknown, but it came about around 1855. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Sounds like somebody actually made that word up while they were drunk. Yeah. And then it stuck. I think that's what it is. That's a good one. Squiffy. That's what happened to Scott. He's been a little squiffy, so we haven't had a show in a while. That's right. I have been. <laughs> Which actually will tie into some stuff that I bring later to the show that I've done some research. I stumbled upon it while squiffy, and so I thought I would bring it to the show. <laughs> which, which actually, that stuff, is this, it's all on squiffy target here. This is all full circle, and you'll hear that when I bring that to the end of the show. But let's get moving then, okay? If anything needs a previous minute recap, it's this freaking episode. Because people, we probably don't even know what the hell happened last I don't time. know what happened. I, surely you don't know. But it's a reminder for all those who may not exactly remember where we actually left off. What happened in minutes 108 and 109. So we can say in the previous minutes, Will Turner pulls out his sword and asks Jack, I hope you're here to see it. That's an exact quote, so don't, don't, don't knock me on that. Amazing this really? family. Yeah, it is. It's an exact quote. Here to see what? Hey, it's a question. He pulled out a sword. All I'm doing is bringing it to you. You can you can make those leaps. Amazing this family movie was so American Pie, though, for the generation. Never realized it before. That it was so, uh, maybe, raunchy. <laughs> anyway, sensing he'd be left out of a good old man-on-man sword fight, Norrington unleashes his saber. And just like any usual menage a man action, there's a woman watching nearby. Elizabeth, wishing she could pitch instead of catch, releases a bit of boys-will-be-boys frustration by throwing shells and rocks. Practicing. You know, throwing. Pitching. (laughs) Us girls have to practice that a lot. Oh, yeah. Ah! (laughs) Wow. I don't even even know what to say of that. I don't know. I can't throw. People from work should not be listening to this episode, actually. It puts me in a weird... uh, I don't think they should be listening to any episodes, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, there's there's probably, I'm going to have to have them sign a disclaimer, something like what that. You listen I don't want to get into trouble with HR. Yeah, exactly. Not have anything to do with us here. Yeah, I won't be allowed to even mention the show at work because it'll be considered harassment. But, anyways, back to the minute recap. And let's not forget Rosie. Rosie. You know, I screwed that up. <laughs> Rosie the donkey? <laughs> Rossio and Elliot. <laughs> I just called one of the writers Rosie the Donkey. I am so sorry, Terry Rossio. Anyways, Rossio and Elliot's gratuitous The Curse of the Black Pearl. It's hot in here. Callback is a little bit... Elizabeth, geez. It's, it's going downhill already. Can you already. speak tonight? I can't. Squiffy. Anyway, she commits to a pretend faint. That's where we left... No, that's almost where we left off. That is where we left off. That's what happened. Yeah, she in the last started episode. the faint. She started. She was in the midfall. Yes. Minute one ten begins with Elizabeth falling onto the sand as part of her fake fainting attempt to stop the sword fight. Upset that this tactic fails, she sits up, frustratingly puts on her hat, and turns her head to witness Pintel and Rigetti absconding with the dead man's chest. Minute one eleven ends with Will and Norrington fighting atop the antiquated and abandoned church as Jack makes his way to the action, officially ending as they perch themselves on the roof's peak adjacent to a large water wheel. Whew! I didn't think I was going to get through the Actually, uh, it's a recap. mill wheel. Uh, really? Yeah. You're going to call me on that? Yeah, because it's in the book. Hmm. As I know a that mill it, wheel. I know that, and now you challenge accepted, I will say. Yes. It's in the book. I will say that you are correct, but I am also correct. Because not only will I bring fascination, fascination, fascinating tales of, uh... Water wheels? No, of, uh, of drinking and drunk and stuff that I promised. I will bring a breakdown of this water wheel. Oh, yeah. Mill wheel. How dare you? <laughs> the thing that actually caught my attention immediately was this idea that although, like, Elizabeth is the, okay, a finger quote reason that they're all fighting here, 
the main subject of the scene in movie. You know, uh, you can check back to like episode 103 or something. I Actually, believe. you know what? The mill wheel is not in this minute. I, you do see it. You do, but I think it should be a discussion for. Oh, maybe that's the next when one. I. It may be actually when I discuss yeah. it then. Because, yeah, contrary to what everyone thinks out there, I've done some pre prepping of other episodes. That means there will be some other episodes coming. This won't like drop and then it'll be a month before the next one. No. Well, one, You'll, uh, one supposedly more episode. See it. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, that is true. Hey, no, let's not get overboard here. Next weekend, uh, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> I could get sleepy. But anyways, I mean, her antics are, are falling flat to stop this commotion, okay? It's almost like symbolic of the forgot what they were fighting for routine, you know? Reminds me of kind of that Andy Griffith episode. The, uh, I can't think of who they are now. Who are the, they're like the Hatfields and the McCoys, but they're the, the two, oh, I can't believe it. You always ask me every single I do. time. And I know it all the time too. And I ask you that as a test, but I can never think of it right now. All right. Nothing. Wait, Canfield? No, Can. We're really going to sit here while we try to come up with this? I figure if I said part of the name, you would know. It's something Field too. They kind of did a spin off the Hatfields, but the other one is different. Anyways. It's like the, like I was saying, forgot what they were fighting for kind of deal. But I'm not saying that that's actually the case here, but it definitely stood out to me that she kind of takes the position that all eyes should be on her. She can't stop this fight, but the adrenaline is like kicked in and dare I say, even though she wants it to be over, it's not going to barely be over until it's over. But I was bombarded by a bunch of these cliches and phrases, not just those that I was mentioning just now, but there's most definitely an all's fair and love and war message here too because norrington kicks sand in will's face wakefield and carter wakefield and carter yeah that's right you looked it up how dare you try to pull that like you knew it i can see uh across the uh the the you can't see anything can too yeah that makes sense but anyways before you jumped back in i was uh talking about sand face little kicking action this isn't a time where there was like gentlemen's rules of fighting in battle okay yes Norrington kicks sand in Will's eyes while he's on the ground. Norrington will fight dirty. That's my take-home message. I think that's what Norrington thinks about Will. He took his woman. Well, I'm not saying that he's, in his mind, not justified or wants to do that. I'm just saying that he is going to fight dirty, even though he oh, was yeah, of course. this prim and proper British officer at one point. Yeah, but he's drunken. Well, we'll find out because he gets, I think it's in the next minute. The next minute he get when we actually finally get some dialogue. But that's what actually I want from him. Because Norrington's that antagonist that's not quite on par with Davy Jones, for instance. But he's willing to go that extra mile to get his own salvation. Okay? Like a little sand-in-your-face salvation. And that's the character we expect after all that's transpired since Curse of the Black Pearl for him. That's where we see him at this point. We don't expect him to be the prim and proper Commodore Norrington. No. He's the, uh... The downtrodden Norrington now. Because he also drops a famous phrase to Will. Buy your leave. You know when the first time I heard in a movie, buy your leave? No. Really? You maybe will when I remind you of it. Because it's something that... I remember hearing this in a movie that's known as The Last of the Mohicans with Daniel Day-Lewis. It's ripping off of, uh, obviously, the Jim, <laughs> Jim's, James Fenmore Cooper book. And I do really love this movie. It has some great landscape shots. But it takes me back and gives me that escapism, Last of the Mohicans. I really do love it. I love the music, some good fiddle action, violin, you know? Yeah. It's right on my uh, music playlist. I know. The Kiss is one of my favorite ones. That's the song. Yeah, it's really good. It has some really good violin fiddle thing going on. But anyways, in the movie, a Norrington-like ass <laughs> with really similar military notions of grandeur and desiring a maiden that's not all it interested in him yeah the major duncan hayward and cora monroe it's like a parallel to norrington and elizabeth it's it really is uncanny they are like the same things going on here where i was going with this and it's like this rather powerful statement it's also an introduction to the buy your leave phrase which is uttered in this movie when they reach the fort okay duncan mouths off and who so here's what he says he says and who empowered these colonials to pass judgment on England's policies and to come and go with so much as a buy your leave? 
Cora steps in and throws it right back at him, though. They do not live their lives by your leave. They hack it out of the wilderness with their own two hands, burying their children along the way. Now, that just those two dialogue pieces there have always stuck with me. It's like the scene, the characters. It really is like brings like this reality for American history of how hard it was for these settlers to to actually make a a living on this land and to to really move forward. And we're not passing judgment at this point and getting into the the right or wrong aspect of, of that. We'll we'll save that for another downtrodden episode. <laughs> but I'm just saying the ability for them to do that was really incredible. Yeah. Bringing children and women at the time, you know, it, all these people were just like hard, like hardened, just unbelievable the tenacity they had to do this. And this whole, even these two small pieces of dialogue, I mean, it's not like a big soliloquy thing going on here. It really is incredible and impactful. And it shows the hubris of the crown at the time, the English crown. Ah, you know, they should just be at our beck and call kind of thing. You know, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And then it comes up here again in Dead Man's Chest. The connotation, though, is so different. Maybe, or maybe the tone, I should say. And a better description is when Norrington bows and says it to Will. If you haven't seen Last of the Mohicans, definitely check it out. Or even find the scene on YouTube, whatever. They're at Fort Henry, I believe it is. I think it's Fort Henry. Then they've got to send somebody to Fort Edward. So anyways, as for by your leave, the meaning is rather straightforward. I mean, I think it fairly is straightforward. It's kind of a twist of old school English. Maybe some proper charm goes along with it. The idea is it's without even asking for permission, okay? So according to the English chaps running the phrase finder, without so much as a buy your leave, it's an old phrase, but it's still often used when someone who might have been expected to have asked for permission first is disapproved of for acting on their own authority. The expression began in the early 19th century, and the first mention found in print is from the New England Magazine, Volume 3, September 1832. The evil creature, and this is referring to a mosquito, that's the context, lit upon my forehead. Already he had inserted his atrocious tube and was drawing blood without so much as the civility of by your leave. How rude. Yeah, mosquitoes. And you're going to have a well on your forehead. Yeah, little jerk mosquitoes. However, the uh, pared down version that we get here, by your leave, just the by your leave part, not yeah. with the, the whole thing, dates back to at least the late 16th century. The first example of buy your leave that was found in print is Henry Butte's Dites Dry Dinner. I slaughtered that probably. <laughs> That's some old English stuff there. 1599. Okay. By the leave, I'll be a guest of thine. And leave is spelled with a U and I'll. Yeah. So there's some weird spellings. Okay. But anyways, you get the gist. 1599. There you go. Yeah. Moving on. Okay. I'm just going to. I'm going to leave it there. It's basically being a pirate. You're taking without asking. Yeah, kind of. And then you're asking forgiveness afterwards. There's no basically. forgiveness asking. <laughs> you're just taking if and you saying, think, that's, instead of thank you, it's by your leave. If you think uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, Chinkachu, and the Mohican people Bless were you. asking for, <laughs> for forgiveness, you have another thing coming, woman. They were not. But speaking of by your leave, as we head over to this antiquated, falling apart, ruined church, we're, uh, we're in actually VA case... Dominica, the, what we just call the church ruins on Isla Cruces. The ruined church and the adjacent graveyard on this island and the broken down mill from which the huge wheel breaks free eventually. Uh, they were constructed at Viejas, a village of the north coast of Dominica. So not so much interesting as anything about Viejas. I mean, the current population is under 1,000. I think it was in the 700s, low 800s. When European settlers first got there, they lived there together with the Caribs. And we talked about this way back during the Pelagostos Minutes. Yeah, we did. The great Pelagostos Minutes of 2018. Yes. Man, that was a long time. That was like 20 episodes. Literally 20 episodes on that. But anyways, the current villagers are mixed descendants of the Kalingos, which we talked about as well. Yes. And the French settlers and the African slaves that were imported to the area. So that's kind of like a big mescla of uh, things going on there. But here's why I really brought this up. This is what actually caught my attention to go, maybe that's why I'll bring it up and mention this this place. Because the center of the village is called Under the Mango. Underneath the mango you tree. You got it. I mean, I mean, there are various shops. There's, there's kind of like a similar to convenience stores things that are located here. 
Few restaurants can be found in this tropical village. But there is, however, a shop that sells groceries and fried chicken called Anna's. Oh, yeah. Plus, the mango tree to which the name refers is no longer the center of the village. So one, it has a built-in theme song. You've already identified it. Underneath the mango tree. You got to be singing it. Because, I mean, let me guess. (laughs) Everyone that lives there... The thousand, less than thousand people. They're so tired of hearing tourists sing that damn song while wandering town, <laughs> eating fried chicken. They just got to be sick of it. Two, how long before KFC pops up a location on the island? Anna's? How dare they grab the Dominica VA case market of a thousand people if we could open <laughs> up a, a thing there. But I do love how Wikipedia actually notes the presence of Anna's fried chicken. That tells you how much is actually going on at this place. That yeah. They're like, we got to come up with something. There's a joint that sells chicken and groceries. (laughs) Let's put it on Wikipedia. But I was surprised to find out that the ruined church was a set built by the production crew. Because I would have sworn they found this abandoned structure on the island and used it. Nope. Movie set making magic. It looks great. It really does. It looks like a real building. Well, yeah. I don't know how much of it is or isn't or, or whatever. But it looks cool. Yeah. They probably tore it down just for safety reasons afterwards, which would be a shame. Leaving that structure out there. That is cool looking though. Especially the wheel. I like it. They had to make it safe for the actors, so... Yeah, but you can't just leave this abandoned building out there. There's only a thousand people. You start having people falling off this thing and suing the company and suing Disney. They can't have that. that's true. Pretty soon you have 500 people there. Not that I'm saying... 500 are going to fall off. (laughs) (laughs) Not casting any... Uh, judgment on the intelligent level of the people that live on the island that they're all just going to lemming it off the abandoned ruined church. From what I gathered from the book, this is a difficult location to get to. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think I may have some stuff. I don't know if I have it now. I'll have to check my notes. They'd like build roads and the only way in was, I think this was a location, the only way in was by boat. and. Yeah, I may bring some stuff, I think, next minute on that. Just about the way that the whole location is and why it's been not targeted by developers. Okay. And it's kind of kept it more natural. But as for Isla Cruces, not much is really known about the early history of the island, except that it was discovered during the European colonization of the New World and named Isla Cruces or the Isle of Crosses. Stories were told of Isla Cruces in which the island was once populated and that the Church of England also established itself on the island. However, (laughs) that's true. And it was said to have brought disease to the island. Okay. Resulting in uh, kind of a plague that wiped out the entire population. Now, this isn't the real... uh, Okay, this is not VA case where they filmed it. This is Isla Cruces, the Caribbean pirates story island. Does that make sense? The fictional island that it is, not the actual location. Okay. We're talking history in universe of Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, okay. But nonetheless, there are a lot of parallels to what actually happens in the real world when somebody comes in and brings a bunch of diseases and poor natives, you know? So anyways, they said that they brought like disease to the island, resulting in this plague that wiped out, you know, an entire population. Could scratch my non-existent beard going, hmm, that sounds pretty (laughs) historical to me. Oh, come on. Don't lie to everybody. You know that beard's hanging down to the belly button. (laughs) That's yeah. I haven't actually been doing anything that I said. I've just been sitting on the couch growing a beard. It's like that that one commercial of Hulu or whatever they're binge watching, and they sit there, and then all of a sudden they have giant beards. Anyways, it was a man and a woman. So I hope the man she may have had a beard. The bearded lady. The beard. She was the bearded lady. But all we know, and all we can do is break this down. As we can say, thanks, whiteies, for spreading some holiday cheer. Hey, native peoples. Here's a Bible and some diseases, okay? Yeah. Let's just say that. And according to lore, the priest had to bury the inhabitants one by one until he went insane and hung himself. Which, if you actually look closely while the trio are fighting in this church, you will see a skeleton hanging in that stairwell. Oh yeah, I see feet. Yeah, that's our beloved bringer of sickness. That is uh, our dear savior and uh, grim priest. reaper. Yeah. He had a dual role. Davy Jones was believed to have uh, chosen this island for hiding the chest as it was a plague island. It was known for being a plague island, which is now deserted. So from that day on, 
the idea was that all sane travelers avoided the island. So he thought, hey, this might be a safe place to keep my chest, my heart, all that kind of stuff. Because no one goes there. No one wants to be uh, plagued. It's kind of the gist I get. There's also a few things that popped up while in the church. It's kind of a continuation of the similar beats of things. Well, I don't necessarily want to think of them as callbacks like the Elizabeth and Heat. Ah! You know, fainting action. Although she didn't faint. It's an Elizabethan heat. <laughs> I don't know of where she was in her cycle, so I can't really, I can't make a judgment call on that. I'm not, I can't, not something I can identify just by looking at her on the screen. I do not have that power. <laughs> Nor am I calling her man's best friend or anything like that. <laughs> I don't know. I think that might be the title of this episode. <laughs> Man's best friend or Elizabeth, Elizabeth and Heat. And, Heat. <laughs> and I didn't even catch that. I'm just rolling along and you brought it to my attention. Uh, I hope the ladies don't get upset with that. That was Elizabeth in the Heat. Again. Hot Elizabeth. Not hot Elizabeth. See, this is... El- <laughs> It's warm outside. Elizabeth is there. She gets heat stroke and falls off Fort Charles. Remember that? Now it's a callback. So, but I'm not talking about heat. I'm not talking about callbacks. What I'm trying to <laughs> set up here before I got sidled by the Elizabeth and heat faux pas, <laughs> it's, it's my list of similar beats. So it's my beats list. Okay. There we go. It's like, yeah, there's like, you know, things, things that happen. Just kind of keep coming back up. Anyways, my beats list. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I got to try and move away from all that other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting on the rafters. Okay, that's on my list. Because there's definitely this like, let's fight on the high ground kind of thing. Oh, I've got the high ground, oh, Anakin. Like the... Like the um, yeah, like in the... Pirates. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. There's some similar notes that are happening. Why'd you say beats? Because it's like a, a beat. Okay. D- d- Oh, what the hell? Anyways, okay, this entire scene is comprised of elevated fighting. Let's just call it that, okay? okay. Same thing that happened in the blacksmith shop, okay? Yeah. We also get more pulley fighting and escape action. Jack goes down as Will goes up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's like, it's like a Curse of the Black Pearl again, okay? The, <laughs> the pulleys aid in an escape for Jack and send Will soaring upward into the rafters. That's what we get here, Okay. Like, uh, we saw it all happen in Curse of the Black Pearl. But mm, similar but different. There. See? Similar beats. There's also a definite circle and wheel presence. We don't quite get the water wheel of death here. Spoilers. But it's coming. And of course, Will and Norrington are fighting on the stone window circle. Foreshadowing what's to come with the mill wheel, perhaps? There. I said mill wheel for you. (laughs) But definitely a reminder and similar beat to the wheel in the blacksmith shop. Poor Rosie the donkey. Oh, Poor that's why Ted you said Rossio. Rosie earlier. Yeah, I was thinking Rosie. Terry Rossio. Did I just call see, I've, did I call him Ted Rossio? Terry Rossio. <laughs> Ted Elliott. There we go. I do know who they are. And Rosie the donkey. And Rosie the donkey. They're also balancing while fighting on the peak of the roof. Has kind of this similar beat to the balancing while sword swinging on the rafters in the blacksmith shop. Some stuff going on there. Yes. And then there's definitely kind of lots of similarities. Swashbuckling similarities. I mean, I actually don't mind that. It's different enough with all these things, but it helps keep like the feel. This this feel of a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. That's what I like about it. It's the same or has similar links to it, but it is different enough that it just keeps you going like, yes, this is actually a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. That's what I like about it. So, with that, and I still can't help but think of the Elizabeth and Heat <laughs> saying, that could go down to haunt me, we'll see. But I don't really have anything else for these minutes. I don't know if you have some stuff you want to bring up, because I'm going to roll into something else. I just want to say about the, the camera work. Yeah? You know, when you have um, Elizabeth laying on her side, they actually turn the camera to see Elizabeth's view. Yeah. And actually, I had... You bring it up, and I was going to avoid it because... Why? Well, okay. Not that... I was going to avoid because they've used, like, camera angles and flipping it upside down or on the side to get a perspective of an actor before what they're seeing. Okay? Yeah. 
But then I started thinking, like, how did they actually do that? What are the mechanics for doing that? Because mm-hmm. I can understand that they could flip it on its side, but the aspect ratio is still like it's right up. It's it's you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not like the screen all of a sudden gets really tall and narrow, you know? Yeah. It's still the same aspect ratio. So when they turn it, how come it's not like really, really tall? It's not like they need to IMAX the screen to to be able to get it there. Or it's like somebody filming on a a phone, but they're they're not putting it horizontal. They still got it vertical. Yeah. Why does it that's why I was avoiding it because I didn't have an answer to that yet. <laughs> and I didn't want to look like an idiot. Now you brought it up. I'm going to have to look it up and exactly see what are the mechanics behind that. That's what I want to know. Right? Yeah. So think yeah. about it. Okay. I should know this somehow, but I don't offhand. Old school ones are like TV. Yeah. You know, maybe. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. This one, it's really like panoramic wide and it's not. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. So yeah, I do like the camera work and the camera shots and the angles. It's really cool here. Yeah. Even though I'm uh, an idiot and don't quite. I haven't. I haven't put enough thought behind it yet to come up with a good solid answer. Well, it's done and gone. So Besides just flipping the camera. Or maybe it has some kind of... I don't know yet. Maybe it, it's somehow the cameras adjust to that. and it's, But it's, you would think that if it... I don't know. Okay, I'm going to say I don't know yet. Okay. What else? The crew of the Flying Dutchman. Yeah. It's awesome coming out of the water. Yeah, it actually holds up really, really well. I was surprised. 4K television, Blu-ray... Looked really good. I expected in the light of day, in the water, that there could be a lot of blurriness and things, pixelation or something that didn't quite hold up. But it really looks nice. Yeah. I didn't see really a drop in quality. It looked really good. Yeah. So bravo to that. You know, 12 years ago. Exactly. That's it? That's it. Okay, that's it. I was asking if you were done because... I don't have anything else, but I did come across like some pirate topic of interest. And it's such a crazy tangent, I just had to actually bring it up. I had to share it with the masses. So while looking up information about the ruined church on Isla Cruces, I came across conflicting accounts that the church was constructed by Disney and then one account that it was already there along with the graveyard. That's what initially got me looking early on. I've confirmed that It was built by Disney. I've confirmed it in multiple sources and from Terry and Ted. But before that, I was trying to confirm which was actual reality. Yeah. So I'm diving deeper to get this answer on that famous thing called the internet. And in my search for Pirates of the Caribbean ruined church, I come across this gem, okay? It's a diamond I was not really expecting in the least. Diamond in the rough? Yeah, it is. Because it's true. Dead man's chest ruins lives. Okay, it ruins lives. So you can see the connection here, the link. Dead man's chest, ruined. There's some key words, you know. I didn't like, I didn't put apostrophes or do any kind of, you know, crazy search that with limitations and things like that, okay? Yeah. I just typed it in. And this search kind of on its head, you know, as, as I did this, I found myself transported back to an era that makes any pirate shiver, okay? It's the temperance movement, okay? <laughs> and... That's the damn movement that led to Prohibition in the U.S. in the 1920s, okay? Yeah. So, firstly, stepping back for all those not exactly sure what the temperance movement was or is, it was a social movement against the consumption of alcoholic beverages, okay? Participants in the movement typically criticize alcohol intoxication or promote complete abstinence. Blasphemy, first of all. (laughs) Pirates don't want to hear that. And the leaders of the temperance movement often emphasized alcohol's negative effects on health. Personality, family life, all that kind of jazz. So typically the movement promotes alcohol education as well as demands new laws against the selling of alcohols or kind of laws that would regulate the availability of alcohol or to completely prohibit. Prohibit it. (laughs) Prohibit it. That would be the word. Somehow I... uh, Are you sure that's the word? Yeah. Somehow I, I don't know what happened there. But during the 19th and early 20th centuries, the temperance movement became prominent in many countries. And for us pirates, there's this little famous ditty, let's just say. Fifteen men on a dead man's chest. Perhaps you've heard it. Yo-ho-ho. Perhaps you've listened to our introduction or exit with the, the song. Well, apparently in September 1918, the National Advocate published by the National Temperance Society and Commission on Temperance. You know, them, uh... 
alcohol-hating uh, societies there, felt it necessary to condemn this pirate theme song. They actually had an article Seriously? coming out. Yeah, I've seen the original. That's how deep diving I went on the ruined church and found... I mean, you can imagine when someone comes across 15 men on a dead man's chest ruins lives. You got to read it. And then when you go, oh, it's from 1918. That's really interesting. And then you go, my God, it's from the temperance movement. Now I'm invested in this. That's why I got to bring it. Okay. They felt it. They had to condemn the pirate theme song here. And in an article entitled Drink and the Devil. Oh, those little guys. They, they took it, a line right out of the song. They outlined the destructive nature of this tune. So after I swig a bit of rum here, I'll, <laughs> I'll read you a bit of it. So drink in the devil. We quote the caption above, and this is, this is not me. This, I'm reading it now, just so you know. <laughs> we quote the caption above because it occurs in a song widely sung by a great American singer, David Bisfam. Ah, listen to David. David. My God. I'm, <laughs> I'm so hammered right now talking about temperance. It's like an oxymoron. David Bisfam. And it's a pirate song, we should call it, though not quite sure of its classification. So they didn't really know how to classify this thing. After the writer breaks down the location of Dead Man's Chest, because I'm not going to read all of it, and identifies the Caribbean islands and it's purchased by the U.S. and how it's a dry territory because of the war, meaning World War I. Yeah. Except for beer. So beer's still allowed. But other than that, it's a dry, dry territory. And that they go on to think that the pirate descendants living on the island, okay, must be now satisfied with beer instead of rum because it gets into the heart of this tragic message. So A, that they're concerned that maybe that there's still pirate descendants living on dead man's chest out there. And then they're thinking, you know what? They have to be satisfied with beer since there's no rum there now. <laughs> so they, they think that like the pirate thing has just been handed down, first of all, to subsequent generations. And that this dead man's chest location must just be rife with pirates going man i wish we could get some rum but all we got is this beer now <laughs> but anyways drinking the devil it is the same devil in beer as in rum it inspires to the same devilish sort of things its dilution does not change its nature here's the kicker though the song can be commended if for nothing else because of its apt connection of two evil spirits the devil and alcohol how dare you link the devil and alcohol <laughs> alcohol's been worse than war Pestilence and famine was Gladstone's testimony. Nobody disputes it, we believe. Wow. Okay. <laughs> First of all, that's a powerful statement, Temperance Society, that alcohol <laughs> has been worse than war, pestilence, and famine, and nobody can dispute it. <laughs> we believe. They believe. In 1818, maybe nobody disputed it, but I'm sure now people can come out and say, you know what? That beer is not quite as bad as World War I. Yeah. Mustard gas? Uh, I think I'll have a beer instead. No. You know what I'm saying? Okay. The article ends with a wish that every island will eventually become alcohol-free. Not just in wartime, but all time. Okay? The last sentence. The temperance clause, so to speak. Speak easy. Then on every area we shall see the devil deprived of his chief helper. And virgin soil, wherever it is found, will grow better men. For better uses than piracy upon their fellows. And the victories of peace will be greater than victories of war. <laughs> now... I can agree with the victories of peace being better than victories of war if yeah. boiled down to such like an idealism. But reality, I mean, notwithstanding reality, but it's a good goal to strive for. War, not getting rid of alcohol. But it's not always practical. We know that. However, it's a noble goal for sure. But come on. Rum, the chief helper of the devil. Pirates will prevail. chastise my best friend Captain Morgan. How dare you? <laughs> Captain Morgan, I apologize for the temperance movement. Or I apologize to you from the temperance movement. Probably more out. So there you go. Straight from 1918 and the Pirates' favorite society of the day, temperance. So that's it. 
some 1918 temperance anti-dead man's chest 15 men rum drinking song stuff yeah Very who would have who would have known yeah. who would have known that that was actually worthy of uh, an article yeah to come out that they would go to the trouble of that and this David Bisfam, is he just going around singing 15 men on a dead man's chest everywhere? He's walking through town singing it. Did this song get so popular that it was... Yeah, all the little kids are singing it. I don't know. They must have been. A bunch of crazy little pirate kids running around in the 20s. <laughs> it's not something I knew about, but there you go. So that's it. Now go have a shot of rum and give it a beer chaser in honor of Caribbean temperance. <laughs> really stick it to those oldies. Anyways, that's all I got. You got anything else? Nope, that's it for me. Yeah, thanks for listening, scallywags. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we'd greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. That means you, Arturo. Like you did, thank you. And all the others that have complained, got more complaints about why we haven't aired an episode, give us a shout, like I said. 8637-PIRATE. We might even play your complaint on the show. Oh, that would be a good show. I don't know if it would be. Oh, okay. You took the... That rating that we got that one time, that one Lone Star rating, very hard. It's all it's all been well since then. But I'm just saying, you took that hard, so I don't know if or you Or you could... just don't tell me. No, it's been good. I just don't know if you could handle complaints if we did a whole show on that. I couldn't. Yeah, there you go. I don't. I don't like negativity. Have some rum. <laughs> <laughs> you can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlshow.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook, Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. If you're interested in best of clips, you can eh, find some of our best of stuff on SoundCloud. That's, I, I wouldn't promise that. All the links, anyways, are on blackpearlshow.com. It is that easy. We'll be back with the latest episode of the Black Pearl Show. Actually, as it should, coming up next week. Talking some pirate minutes. Yeah, we'll do more pirate minutes. That's what we have on the docket there. So there you go. And of course, We'll be delivering Pirates of the Caribbean info to the masses as the dirty, filthy bilge rats we are. Analyzing, scrutinizing, and plundering. So until then, Scallywag, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. And the Temperance Society to a minimum. And the drinking to a maximum. There you go. It's not enough for me. All I want is to be free and hail Captain Blood. On and on eternally. What life of piracy. Hail the curse of Gilmanky and hail Listening to the Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, Scallywags. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun, I think all you dirty, filthy bilge know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music, that's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout-out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, maybe Heather. This is a Shout Reach Media Production.